Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and a good day all around for the Knicks, all things considered. Good news on the Julius Randle front. He might be out weeks, not months, or the season, which is great. And then the Knicks minus Julius and minus OG Ananobi destroy the Charlotte Hornets on the road in yet another proxy MSG home game. So we're going to talk about all that and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And I wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app after you subscribe so you never miss an episode because we're here for you guys five days a week, if not more. This is another one of those if not more weeks because Gavin did an emergency live stream earlier talking about the Julius Randle news, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land, and he is Gavin Shaw, favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and emergency commentator on Nick's news. Uh, but Gavin, we got good news. Uh, so I'm going to present it again because it's worth it bears repeating and talking about a second time between the two of us. So Woj comes out first and drops a story, says Nick's Julius Randall expect to be out weeks, not months with his dislocated shoulder. And then Ian Begley comes through with some more uh, notes on that, says there's nothing inclusive yet regarding Julius Randall's timetable per league source. Source said Randall will be out at least a few weeks which was obvious given the shoulder dislocation. Surgery hasn't been ruled out, but testing to date has led to some optimism it can be avoided. Uh, and then noted that Woj reports there's optimism that Julius Randle's timetable will be weeks, not months, which also suggests that Randle can avoid surgery. So, uh, Gavin, I mentioned this yesterday, but I dealt with a shoulder injury, I guess, sort of similar myself a few years ago. And this sort of tracks, like, my best guess, even though the Knicks have not given an official statement on what the injury is or really addressed it pretty much at all except for just tips being like i'm worried and then like i'm less worried <laughs> um that's it uh, Arg, but, ice ice <laughs> ice uh i don't know just ice it ice it <laughs> I, I guess i don't know but <laughs> on the court and off <laughs> but my best guess is maybe a partially torn labrum or something here would have been the what happened to randall that he avoided a full tear which if you get a partial tear that can be rehabbed over the course of a few weeks or, you know, potentially a month or a little over a month to just sort of strengthen the area back up. And perhaps they run into a situation where I believe this is what happened uh, with I, Clyde mentioned on the broadcast today, actually it happened with Wade at one point where he rehabbed a, you know, a partially torn shoulder and then, you know, got back, finished the season out, and then got the surgery in the offseason just to fully repair things. Maybe that's what Julius ends up doing. It would be very reminiscent of what ended up ultimately happening with his ankle last year, where he sprained it a couple times, played through the pain in the playoffs, and then almost immediately after the playoffs were done, went and got the surgery, cleaned up his ankle, and you know got himself on the road to getting better for the next season. 
so I guess we'll see. But good news, at least as good as it could be related to Randall's injury at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said most of it earlier, but I'm ecstatic, obviously, because and maybe this is just like the, the burn of, of 20 years of torture in my life, for the most part, being a Knicks fan. But I, I sort of had in my head like, all right, no news is no news is bad news. And like and then the hammer is going to drop at some point today and my stomach's going to sink and the season's going to be over and I'm going to be miserable. And I, I don't think this totally changes the Knicks trajectory like I have him um and this is I have him like like I like I've inside medical knowledge I'm like in 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 my fairy tale in my mind he's gonna miss 14 games um which would be a month and the Knicks can go like seven and seven during that stretch I mean I don't know about you tonight gave me a little bit more confident the confidence like all right maybe there's a world where they're a little better than that the schedule's harder than it's been but it's certainly not overwhelming um, and if they go seven and seven versus like, what would they've gone with Randall 10 and four, 11 and three, does that ultimately change their life? To me, the, the biggest thing there is just trying to avoid the Celtic side of the bracket. And maybe if things go really bad, it works out for the Knicks and that they stumble to the sixth seed and do it that way. But then you have to play Philly or Milwaukee in the first round versus, um, getting Cleveland, which presumably would be the Knicks preferred matchup. Um, but to me, like the, the biggest like miss window here is it's going to be harder to get you to the three seed and avoid a hypothetical second round matchup with the Celtics. But you know what, if that, if the, the alternative was the season being over, um, I'm, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's champagne, it's champagne problems, Alex. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I think that, you know, if Randall's able to come back and, and get back in, like, it doesn't really matter what seed the Knicks are. I don't think because they proved last year, that they're so comfortable with like playing as a road underdog sort of, you know, like they did that. It's easy to forget, but like they were uh, people generally outside of like Knicks fandom didn't really have a lot of faith in them going into Cleveland last year. I, I, I was, I'll include myself in that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like a lot of people were like, Oh, like Cleveland probably in like six games, something like that. And, you know, they kind of went in and, proved everybody wrong on that and you know really they have the sort of grinded out game that translates well on the road in the playoffs so seating doesn't matter a ton as much as i would love for the knicks to be able to host a playoff series and get that first game at msg and the vibes that would come with that and everything else like that doesn't matter so much to me as much as like just get this team healthy and ready to go like if they could ideally get mitchell robinson back which then mitigates this whole like Isaiah Hartenstein uh, situation where it seems like he's sort of on a bit of a minutes restriction right now trying to manage that Achilles tendonitis. Um, you know, if you can get Julius Randle back fully healthy, if you can get OG, like give him rest days here and there because he's got it. I've been noticing. I mean, he was out in this game and I've noticed that like weird tape job that he's had on that right elbow since he mm -hmm. came to the Knicks. And I've kind of wondered what was up with that. And then all of a sudden in this game, it's like whatever it was like tendonitis or whatever they called yeah. it. You know, it's like, oh, finally, there was a flare up, I guess, for this thing that's been bothering him. So whatever, like do whatever you got to do. Like if it means losing a couple extra regular season games or something, I don't I don't hate it. I know the Tibbs would hate it, but I don't hate it. And it seems like he's at least Hartenstein is giving me some hope that he is at least turning over a new leaf of like if the medical staff tells him something, he's respecting it uh, at least. And, you know, trying to preserve these guys for the whole rest of the season. Uh, so I guess we'll see. And, you know, the trade deadline is going to say a lot about what the Knicks fate could ultimately be, too. But 
the best part of today is that we still get to dream about that stuff because you know there's a chance it, you know it, maybe we'll get three weeks in and there will be unfortunate reporting you know after the all-star break or something they'll be like you know they've tried with julius but it seems like there's more damage than they thought things aren't progressing in rehab the way that they want and he's gonna have to ultimately get the surgery in which case we'll just be resigned to that but until such a time or until when we get the good news that he's tracking towards a return we at least get to kind of you know be hopeful for a while again which is nice because it was definitely felt like a blow the other day and it had the news come out that he was going to need surgery it was going to that was going to be kind of a bummer uh even with yeah. how well the knicks are playing right now yeah and i i mentioned it earlier but i i just think when you have a player as good as Jalen brunson is now and as we're, we're about to get into tonight was yet another example of that and a guy who like on the right night in the right playoff series like can make an argument for being a top 10 guy in the league like every season doesn't have to be all in because going all in every season as the suns are finding out can ultimately be to the detriment of of your long-term future um with a star but every season like you have to maximize your championship odds within reason when you have a guy who's 27 years old pretty close to the peak of his powers and is like maybe legitimately good enough to be the best player on a on a championship team what does that look like is that is that a world where Joel Embiid's your best player for three quarters on a championship team and Jalen Brunson's your fourth quarter championship killer I don't know that that might be what it takes because he's there's still a, a tier that he is definitively below and probably because of his height will always be below and yet he's blown away my wildest expectations for what he could be even even after last season and maybe I should have learned my lesson in that heat series point being like this you you don't want to lose years for injuries and for reasons outside of your control. And obviously the stars who've had the best careers have had the fewest of those seasons where they just got completely screwed by an essential teammate getting hurt. And Julius Randle is um, about as essential as any second guy in the NBA. So really good news for the Knicks. Um, and uh, at least on night one without Julius Randle, Alex, we saw they could survive pretty well. Yeah. And, it, you know, if I may throw in one last thing of just like, how annoying it is that this would happen to Julius of all players, like, which was kind of the same thing with last year. This dude keeps himself like say whatever you will about his game or whether you like how he plays or whatever. But this guy clearly puts in uh, some of the most work I think I've ever seen of any player in our generation of Knicks into his body, into his conditioning, into ensuring that he can be as durable as humanly possible. And yet he's just had these, two just really bad luck injuries the last couple of years. And, you know, last year it was the sprained ankle and then the sprained ankle again in the playoffs that clearly hampered him quite a bit. And then this year it's, you know, he's playing the best ball that he's maybe ever played as a Nick, you know, even though he's not scoring the most points right up at the point when he gets injured. But you and I were saying like, he was seeing the floor as good as he ever has. He was playing the best like complimentary style basketball on this team and sort of finding his perfect self. And then, you know, has this happened to his shoulder it's 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 unfortunate but if he's able to pull through and and come back this year and uh you know able to get that shoulder back good enough like as a you know his offhand shoulder which is important to note uh and you know is able to get back to a point where he feels comfortable being on the floor i would be so happy for him and and honestly so happy for this team because they they really need him and there is a chance you know there's always there's always a chance that if your team gets hot just right in the NBA that you can make it to a finals or something and, and, you know, really capture some lightning in a bottle. And maybe that happens for the Knicks this year. Who's to say, but Gavin, uh, I, I want to let everybody know 
about our friends over at Quiz real quick, and then we're going to get into the Charlotte game and talk about a real feel-good game uh, to cap off a feel-good news day. Uh, the Knicks just went in and shorthanded clobbered the Hornets, uh, especially in the second half. Jalen Brunson, who we were just talking up, had just a phenomenal game in this one. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo was great. Uh, Quentin Grimes had some really good stuff. Uh, and a really bizarre front court rotation had a really good game as well. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about. But first, I'm going to let everybody know about our friends over at Quiz. This episode of Locked On Knicks is brought to you by Quiz. Today, we're going to have some fun and test your Knicks knowledge. So let's see here. I'm going to find a Knicks trivia question here to ask you all and see how well you know the Knicks. <laughs> Man, we need some harder questions in here. The Knicks play their home games at which arena? <laughs> the Garden Arena, the Forum, the Barclays Center, or the or Madison Square Garden? Wait, you know, Alex, while, while I serve you, I could get this one wrong, so you got to apologize for that. That's true. Well, technically, it's Madison Square Garden, though this is maybe a trick question because Barclays Center games are also home games for the Knicks. <laughs> um, at any rate, if you thought that was easy, good news. You might be able to win some money on Quiz. So Quiz, with three eyes is the next generation trivia experience. It's also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for Locked On Knicks fans, they've created an NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. So you can play with friends, or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. You can play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz, Q-U-I-I-Z, I-I-I-Z, sorry, Q-U-3-I-Z.com and start playing today. NBA Quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. And I try playing this game. It's pretty fun. It's it's uh reminds me a little bit of like, who wants to be a millionaire sort of, but you're playing head to head against other players. So basically a question will come up. It'll be multiple choice. And then you pick your answer. The faster you pick your answer, the more points you get if you're correct. And then of course, if you're wrong, you don't get any points. And then at the end, it tallies up your score against other players for a number of rounds. And then if you have the highest score at the end, you get the pot. So you essentially put in a few bucks to potentially triple quadruple quintuple that money and win a big prize pool at the end. It's it's pretty fun. So go to app.quiz.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's Q-U-I-I-I-Z with three I's, just like a three-pointer. There you go, basketball. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champions. All right, Gavin, we're back in to keep talking well to start talking about this Knicks game we've talked about the first bit of good news now the second bit of good news the Knicks came to Charlotte first half was a little rough uh mostly just because the Knicks couldn't hit any threes it was just like you just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop I feel like you know like they were getting played way too tight by the Hornets and also clearly outclassing them like the Hornets weren't scoring particularly effectively either and the Knicks were kind of like I don't want to say that they were playing a little too loose, you know, like that, but there was a, a little bit of looseness to it. Like some of the passes were a little sloppy and, you know, whatever. It wasn't quite as bad as like the, the game a few weeks ago. Was it against Washington? I think that was the one where it like 
the whole game they were just super sloppy and whatever like they yeah, had the they, they were thrown off by uh jeremy cohen dancing in that game to be fair clearly yeah that's yeah. true that's true saw him on the jumbotron and didn't know how yeah. to how to react they're like I don't, I don't know if i want to play basketball anymore if this is what it leads to humanity i thought Jer- jeremy danced a lot better than i would so shout he out did to dance him. Well. He yeah, did dance yeah. Well. but uh at any rate you know was, they were playing a not their best first half, but somewhat somewhat sloppy, but they were generating enough good looks against a really bad defensive team that they should have been up by more and yet go into halftime barely up. And then third quarter just laid waste to Charlotte and said, mm-hmm. okay, this is over. Jalen Brunson just started carving them up. I mean, poor, I would say poor someone, someone you know, one individual name, but poor everyone. They tried different defenders on him. It didn't matter. Whoever ended up on him was going to get cooked. And Brunson, like, didn't even have to really go that deep into his bag. It was just, like, one or two little crossovers, and he was just walking right to the rim. Uh, I thought that the tone was kind of set in the second half by Jericho Sims uh, cutting free and getting going back to – or was that beginning of the second quarter? Now, now I'm forgetting. But that was a cool play, regardless. Jericho Sims cut back door. And oh, that was, that was the beginning of the second quarter. Yep. Beginning of the second quarter. Yeah, I timed that one wrong. I just think it's second half of that was second quarter. Regardless, cool play by Jericho Sims. I'll talk that about him awesome. in a minute. But all in all, just a really dominant second half for the Knicks where they finally figured things out from three and just, I don't know, they they looked like the team, even without two of their three best players, still looked like the way better team here. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brunson just, just changed this game at the start of the third. I actually thought... By his standards, like I, I was getting ready to come on here and rip a manure. No, I wasn't. But I thought I did think like, oh, this is kind of his first, like, again, by his standards, sort of poor half that he's had in like in weeks, seemingly. And then he comes in the third and scores or assists on seven of the nine of uh, seven of the Knicks first nine buckets. Um, They had a 14-0 run at one point ultimately outscore Charlotte 44 to 24 MSG was kind enough to put up a graphic with the final stats from the quarter. And they were just insane. They were 17 of 21 from the field and six for eight from three after starting this game, two for 17 from three. So just totally changed the game. Uh, Brunson was absolutely cooking uh, Cody, Caleb Martin. I, I know it's Cody, but they're, they're the same guy. Um, And, and he like, I, I thought it was a big shift because in the first half, it felt like he had no room to operate. I thought Charlotte did a pretty good job just basically having three guys tangentially guard him at once. And and the Knicks, based on that two for 17 from three, weren't really taking advantage of it. But then Brunson just just got going. Like he scored in a, like this beautiful backdoor from Hartenstein. So it was fun to realize, oh yeah, Brunson, like, like if he played with, I, I don't want to say better teammates, but let's just say he had like a star wing or like when he played with someone like Luca, he still has that in his game where he can just cut off the ball. Um, and, and then he was forced to come back in the fourth quarter when the Hornets made a mini run and he just had this like nasty move on Martin, like hezzy burst blow by floater that like he threw up to the rafters and somehow dropped in. Then a turnaround jumper, Charlie called timeout. Knicks were up one Oh nine 91. Um, it was, it was over, um, at that point, but the other guy, Alex, who really drove the Knicks to this win. And I feel like we, we never totally give enough credit to part of it is because Tom Thibodeau, um, hates playing him down the stretch of games, but Dante DiVincenzo, um, OG Adobe out. Dante, you're the you're the new Luol Dang. 42 minutes in this one, 10 for 22 from the field, five for 15 from three, 28 points, six rebounds, five assists, monster outing, game high plus 24 for the Knicks. What, what did you see from him? I mean, pretty much just the best version of what he offers. I mean, you know, he he's just like everybody, kind of had that cold 
shooting first half and you know whatever it was like the whole team just kind of went cold for a bit but the second half i mean he just came out like a ball of fire not just getting his usual quick look threes though but like making cuts inside absorbing contact like kind of filling the role that the knicks needed him to with og out because that's been sort of og's thing lately is get inside take that contact finish through it and you know maybe it's maybe it's just due to the fact that like charlotte is not as talented of a team and you know doesn't have as many guys that can really throw a body into him because we've known you know coming into this year dante has issues finishing around the hoop that's like one of the only real flaws to his game as like a role player um but he did great in this game you know managed to manage to finish some shots like that the three was just as ridiculous as ever you know especially in the second half i just something about his release you know i just feel like I, I said this, I don't know, maybe a week or two ago, and it still mm-hmm. stands. I just think every single game, it seems like he tries to take like another fraction of a second off of it. And it's getting to the point where the ball, if he gets a good pass right to his chest, mm-hmm. he, he's barely even catching the ball before he shoots it. It's just like ball gets there and pew, done. You know, it's just in. And it doesn't matter where he is anymore. He's starting to shoot like the Curry range threes too. hit mm-hmm. one of those in this game from a few feet behind the line we're seeing this like new comfort level from him that based off how other teams that he's played for perceive him, he's definitely never hit before. Like he's finding a level of consistency and maybe it's just with the role. Maybe it's just the fact that he's, he has a good starting role for like a good steady starting role for like the first time in his NBA career, really where he's able to like just be trusted for 35 minutes a game. But we're starting to see like a new version of DiVincenzo that is just ridiculously lethal from three and consistent from three, because that's always been the biggest complaint from other team fans that he's played for. And then also starting to figure out some of the other aspects too, like the cutting and finishing and things like that. So it was very good, very complete game for him. And and he really played like the, the number two guy in this game when the Knicks desperately needed someone to like step up and do that without Randall and Ananobi there. Yeah, I mean, 42% from three this year. He's never shot better than 40%, taking more threes per game than he's ever taken, just over six per game. I mean, what what, what a freaking signing, right? Four years, 47 million. I think there's some incentives in there that can boost that up to something like 53. But, I mean, with the new TV deal kick in, like, he is going to be paid what most eighth men are played. And he, I mean, for the foreseeable future, unless the Knicks get a major upgrade there and, like, trade for someone like Donovan Mitchell, like, He's your starting two guard and he he's a very solid one. And, and again, at that deal, like it is, it is crazy. Like I love like just some of the tangential stuff he did in this game. I got a crazy help side block on miles bridges, like some self-created threes Um, that back cut he had where Jalen Brunson hit him and he had like a tough, like double pump finish, like hanging in the air, scored nine straight at one point in the third quarter. It was interrupted by one Brunson miss, but had a pull up, then a three, and then just like a two-step like pirouette through two defenders for a layup, then another pull-up. Um, he's just it, it feels like whenever the Knicks need him, like even even they like go back to that Pacers game that we've all wiped from our memories, the night of the trade where everyone was gone and he just casually scored like what like 40, 38 in that game. Like whenever the Knicks have needed more from him, he's figured out a way to do it. He's been better on the road than at home. Um, which is is either clutch or weird, depending on your perspective, but just just an awesome season. Like I, I can't say enough good things about how well that signing has worked out. It's been beyond my wildest expectations, Alex. Um, and if you want your life to be 
beyond your wildest expectations. Well, if you're anything like me, then you better go to therapy. So we're going to take a break, tell you about our buddies over at BetterHelp, and come back and finish up wrapping up conversation of this game, including a fun performance from the Knicks two bigs. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So if you're anything like me around New Year's, you, you get obsessed with how to change yourself and you make some extreme resolution. Uh, maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Maybe you're taking supplements every morning. Now you want to finally eat breakfast. Therapy helps you find your strength so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Because ultimately, isn't isn't that kind of the goal of the resolution to do something that works instead of to just say something insane, do it for three weeks, and then give it up for the rest of the year? Therapy um, helps you in the area of self-awareness, self-recognition, helps you figure out your limits, and then helps you figure out how to overcome them on a realistic timeline. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, E-T-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Let me tell you, those football snacks, I make some mean ones. I'm going to make a cheeseburger dip, take it to a Super Bowl party somewhere. And I love Super Bowl Sunday, man. It's everything's so fun about it i don't know it's like my favorite get together with friends holiday uh you know everybody makes a couple dishes you just pig out on junk food all night watch some funny commercials explain football to your one friend for like the 15th straight year that doesn't watch football but just comes to the super bowl party it's awesome man and this year i'm going to be placing some bets with fanduel sportsbook and you know if you're an nfl conspiracy theorist then this should this should be easy money in your eyes. But Travis Kelsey is currently at plus 2,000 to win Super Bowl MVP. He's coming off a huge AFC championship game. Obviously, there's the Taylor Swift effect where, you know, if you're the conspiracy theorist type, you're going to be like, well, the NFL is going to want him to win MVP so they can get Taylor Swift up on that podium. You know, whatever. Uh, maybe that happens. But plus 2,000, that's that's some pretty good money to make. For, so that's that's a bet I'm certainly going to be placing. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. So new customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back in to finish talking about this game. And I want to I want to talk about the the big man rotation in this game. It was it was interesting. I don't know what I was expecting for the starting lineup for this game, uh, given had Ananobi been playing, I think we could have pretty safely said, well, Josh Hart's going to start. Uh, and, you know, whichever one of those two you want to say is the nominal four in that scenario. Fine. But I think that's the plan with mm -hmm. Randall out just because Hart at least gives you like some of that rebounding that Randall gives you like the, the crash in, you know, out of nowhere rebounding, which both of them are really great at. Uh, Hart's also really good at getting transition started, which is a big Randall thing, being able to just like turn around, whip a pass down the floor if you need him to. 
uh, also just get running himself and you know do that he could do some light setup on the on the offensive end stuff like that and Ananobi should be able to cover defensively for you know cover fours or threes or whoever you really need him to cover but with Ananobi out then we get Precious Achua starting which was an interesting choice and yet one that worked out okay like he hit his lone three-point attempt in the second half in this game and that was sort of one of those things that started getting the Knicks going, weirdly enough. It was like he hit that, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, Precious is hitting him tonight. We're all hitting him. We're all going to eat from three right now. Uh, but he had a really solid game. Isaiah Hartenstein puts in 16 and a half minutes. I think about as efficient and solid of a 16 and a half minutes as you could have hoped for. Ten points, four boards, three steals in that amount of time. Shot four or four. Uh, and then Jericho Sims comes in for almost 24 minutes again. He shoots three of three, extremely efficient for this big man rotation in this game. Shoots three of three for six points, seven boards, two assists. Had that uh, that backdoor cut dunk where he just slipped every Hornets player on his side of the court to get back there and, and get a dunk from Deuce McBride uh, to start the second quarter. That was awesome. I've loved his play of late, but a really interesting big man rotation that actually worked out pretty well. And Gavin, I think the one of my big takeaways from this game and last is I think there is for sure a directive from the training staff that Hartenstein has to be on a minutes limit now. So I don't know how severe that's going to be going forward, but this is the second straight game that he's been back from that Achilles tendonitis where it's just like, okay, you're going to, you're going to start and we're going to give you that and maybe a couple extra minutes, but like you're basically just going to start each half and, unless we like desperately need you to close the game, like you're probably not going to. And luckily, I mean, it's been huge blowouts the last couple of games. So we haven't had to test that theory, but I think it's pretty clear. He's on a minutes restriction, which makes it all the better that precious and, and Jericho, I think have really stepped up to the task lately with the minutes that they've needed to play. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating to see if it carries over against better teams or, or in closer games. And if Tibbs can maintain that restraint, assuming that is a medical recommendation for him, but for the time being, I'm, I'm in love with it and I'm impressed. Tom Thibodeau is, is sticking through it. Um, I'll, I'll just wrap up with some quick hitters on everyone. Another really good Josh Hart game to your point, nine rebounds in the first half, which is ridiculous finishes with eight, 12 and seven assists. Like that is an all time Josh Hardy box score. If there ever was one, like really good work, just running the floor um, in transition, even in semi transition again, like had another possession where he passed up an open three and it led to like Grimes catching a hot potato and having to like force up like a, a really tough mid range jumper. So that's not great. He made up for it in my mind though, in the third quarter just had this, brilliant cross-court dime after Grimes like f Grimes fumbled a ball into the corner just barely saved it Hart caught it and just the the basketball IQ of you could tell he's like all right this is a scramble situation where's everyone on the court and the ability to just map the entire floor in seconds and catch it and immediately whip it 30 feet across the court to DiVincenzo wide open for three like on, on a dime um that was just a killer pass I'm I'm with you. I thought iHeart was great. Hit a turnaround fadeaway to beat the shot clock. I, I love I love him when he gets the ball and, and the shot clock's winding down. And you can tell he he takes such joy in the fact of like, all right, I get to I get to take a shot that Jalen would take, and no one can uh you know what me out because <laughs> because the time's dwindling on the shot clock. So I thought that was funny. He had an and one transition to finish. Uh, Precious my only comment is when he 
when he hit the three, it just sounded like Breen let out the, the loudest sneeze of all time. So that was awesome. Um, I was with you on Sims that that second quarter play is, is a tib special whenever Jericho Sims plays. And I'm almost shocked that every opposing coach in the league doesn't have it mapped out and like screaming at, at their, at his team. Hey, they're going to run this. Um, and what, what happened there was um, screens or sorry, Sims sets a screen for DiVincenzo and then just kind of lollygags around like he's out of the play. And then Grimes comes and sets a back screen for him. And then Sims just loops around for an alley-oop. Perfect pass from Duke, from Deuce. It's almost like um, a Spain pick and roll, but without the on the ball portion. It, it, it's it's a cool little set. And then Deuce, um, he just had the, the sequence of the game um, where he fought over three screens to stick with uh, Cody Martin, stripped him ran the floor, and then added insult to injury, draining a three. And that was the point where I was like, all right, this, this game's a joke, but that was awesome. That he, he can just really shoot the basketball, Alex. That's my, that's my biggest takeaway on the year. And then Grimes, uh, great stuff attacking the basket. Once again, almost had a poster. I'm disappointed in his shot, down below 37% on the season. I'm mostly open shots. So that's, that's my one gripe with Grimes, but he's been playing great. Yeah, I, I wanted to highlight deuce a bit because i think we're reaching conundrum status with him at this point where it's like he's playing so well that it's getting really difficult like they i still the knicks still obviously need someone that can initiate a little better with that second unit but like deuce is gonna need to get some playing time i think still because defensively he's still such a menace and then offensively in the month of january and I understand, you know, it's it's only a portion of the season, but 14 games he's played in January. You know, this is the whole we're judging a lot of things right now based off the OG Ananobi. I, I mean, to be fair, that's that's his whole season, right? Like he, he didn't much. really play before that. Yeah, he, got yeah, he had a little bit of playing time here and there prior to that. But this is like the most, you know, consistent playing time he's gotten since OG came to the Knicks shooting 48.2% from three right now uh, in the new year. And he's shot 56 attempts in the new year. So he's shooting 27 of 56. I mean, it's it's getting harder and harder to imagine a world where like, even if the Knicks acquire Brogdon or something that you don't find just a few minutes a game to get Deuce well, in there. Alex, can I throw this out there? I think the beauty yeah. of Brogdon is like, you can play them together and it's going it, to, yeah. obviously it's going to impact Grimes, but Brogdon's 6'5", like he can guard twos. Oh, 100%. I think it would harm Grimes the most. I mean, I think that if you're still finding minutes for Deuce, it's coming at the expense of Grimes. If this team is at full strength and if they add someone into that Fournier salary slot without without giving up Grimes in the process, like mm. then you're probably you have to you basically have to move out to a 10-man rotation then if fully healthy. And essentially just the role that Grimes was solely occupying before prior to the trade you just kind of split those minutes between him and Deuce and ride the hot hand, I guess, because Deuce, you can't say has been streaky because he's been very consistent uh, since the OG trade, but Grimes has still had his, you know, his struggles with consistency. So I guess that's kind of what that comes down to, but yeah, we're reaching, reaching interesting territory with Deuce where you got to kind of sit and be like, like, can you really afford to just sit this guy again? Like if you pick up another player for the bench, like, I don't really think so anymore. He's he's playing too well for that to happen, I think, at this point. But, Gavin, unless you had anything else to add, I think that's pretty much it for me. A, a good good little feel-good beatdown of a tanking team always hits, uh, especially on a day when, you know, we're coming down off that emotional low of the weekend, yeah. even though the Knicks beat the Heat, you know, the Randall news, and then good Randall news, and then a nice little win to cap the day off. I, I think today was, for all intents and purposes, a, a pretty – Nice little uh, surprise, a nice little success for the Knicks today. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it just feels like, you know what? I had a tough day at work. I'm going to have an extra brownie. I'm going to have an extra cookie. I'm going to watch uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall for the 15th times. I need, I need to feel good. All, all time, all time favorite comedy, by the way. Um, anyways, that's it for this episode of lockdown Knicks. Uh, the Knicks play again tomorrow, the Utah jazz at home, our buddy David Locke on the radio call and uh, our, our uh, buddies. They just don't know it yet. Mike Breen, Walt Clyde Frazier. I assume, I assume I haven't looked actually on the call on MSG. Maybe we'll talk to you after the game until then. He's Alex. I'm Gavin. Peace out.